Welcome to Soul Talk, soulful conversations exploring who you are, why you're here, and how to live your most authentic life. My name is Coop Blackson, nationally best-selling author of You Are The One, transformational teacher, and your host. I invite you to subscribe to the Soul Talk podcast for weekly inspiration from me, where I will share with you some powerful ideas, thoughts, and practical life wisdom to help you live life more fully, freeing yourself from your past, reclaiming your power, and living your true life's purpose. You can also go to www.coopblackson.com, enter your name and email to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment. Let's get started with Soul Talk. Welcome back, folks. Welcome back to another very special episode of the Soul Talk podcast. Uh, I'm really excited to uh, about today's episode. I get to, to dive deep, a part two with uh, one of my favorite authors, a real inspiration to me. Uh, if you haven't listened to the first episode I did with him uh, over a year ago, you need to check it out. We'll put the link in the show notes. But today it's going to be special. Get your pen ready. Get your notes ready. Uh, today I'm privileged to have internationally recognized leader in bridging science and spirituality, stem cell biologist, best-selling author of an amazing book, The Biology of Belief, the amazing Bruce Lipton. Bruce. Dr. Bruce, welcome. I am so delighted to be back with you. I can't believe it's been a whole year since we were together, but hey, here we are and uh, very interesting times in this last year though, right? Interesting times, man. I mean, I want to talk, I want to just dive in, uh, talk about these times and ask you from your perspective. Um, you've seen a lot, you know a lot, you've studied a lot, you're well-versed. Give us some some understanding on what you have observed. And I'm just going to, what the hell is going on? You know, <laughs> can you break it down to give us some understanding of your perspective of what on earth is happening and well, uh, what you see? You know, because when it started, maybe you had a perspective, but you've th- seen things unfold and play out. So help us make sense of this thing. What are we living? We're, we're in a very strange time right now. And this COVID story is unfortunately uh, um, not scientifically valid the way it's been presented to the public. It is a, oh. a process of changing the way we live on this planet. Uh, get, let's give a reason why we need to change the way we're living. And that is we're facing what is called the sixth mass extinction of life. Mm. That means five times in the history, life was thriving and some event caused up to 90% of life to disappear. The, the last mass extinction was 66 million years ago. That's when the dinosaurs were here. We had all those lush forests and everything. And a comet hit near Mexico, upended the web of life, got rid of all the dinosaurs, got rid of 75% of life, and it started all over again. And today, we're in the sixth mass extinction uh, uh, we're losing species of organisms a thousand times faster than background. Uh, uh, and the, the issue is the f- previous mass extinctions were due to things like tectonic plates moving, volcanic activity, comets, and stuff like that. But what's interesting in today's sixth mass extinction is that human behavior is causing this problem right now. And so the big, di- the big issue, what we have to deal with is recognize what are we doing <laughs> uh, and what's going on? And the answer is this, we're out of harmony. The planet's out of harmony. We're not living in harmony with nature. Uh, in the last 50 years, 
over two-thirds of the entire animal population of the earth has disappeared. We're only down to one-third the number of animals that were here just 50 years ago. And uh, just, you know, to bring it a little even closer is we're overfishing the oceans, we're polluting the water and changing the, be- the breeding grounds. So the story is there will be no fish on this planet in the ocean in 2048. I go, that's not a million years from now, folks. That's coming up here in a couple, in a decade or so, you know? Wow. We are in an extinction. That's a scientific fact for 15 years. Nobody's paying attention to it. Now, the story of COVID when it first came out is um, COVID is a virus. It's a version of coronavirus. I say version, yeah. and I go, listen, uh, I say dogs. There's, there's a class called dogs. And I go, yeah, but you've got greyhounds and St. Bernard's and beagles, and you've got all these different versions of it. Coronaviruses are a type of virus. Every year, uh, the flu that comes, most of those are coronavirus flus due to the existing coronaviruses. But a new coronavirus, a new species of coronavirus is COVID-19. I go, what's relevant? I said, it has not been here in our human population before. I say, so why is it relevant? I say, everyone is susceptible to get this virus. Why? Our immune systems do not have a memory of this virus. So everyone can get this virus. Now, when the virus started showing up, uh, there was uh, large numbers of hospital visits and fear uh, because when the virus was shown in the very beginning, they manipulated the numbers of death uh, from the virus. Uh, it's called the lethality. How, how many people that have this virus infection will die? Uh, and normal flus are like 0.1% uh, every year. Every year, annual flu, 0.1% of the population that gets the flu is going to die. Okay, mm-hmm. But when this one came out, the numbers were fabricated in a wrong way. And it said millions of people in the U.S., millions of people are going to die. And all of a sudden, you know, every year that, hey, get your flu shot. It's get your flu shot. Flu's coming. You know, and everybody, yeah, 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 big deal. This time it's like millions of people are going to die. Well, that scares the hell out of everybody because now all of a sudden I could be parts of millions of people. And now everybody starts living in fear of this virus. Okay. And I go, fact of life. And this is what we know now. It's a fact of life. 99.98% of people that get this COVID-19 will have a pain in the ass flu period up to two weeks, but they'll recover and there'll be no problem. But there are people that are dying. And I go, yes, they are dying. And I go, are they dying because of the virus being so lethal? And I go, no, they're dying because their immune systems are compromised. And I said, with what? I said, comorbidities, they call it. Issues that are affecting us in our daily way of life. Obesity is the big one. Obesity is a comorbidity that threatens you. Uh, diabetes type 2, God, that's another big one. Uh, heart issues. That's a, and people that have had these before the virus are compromised before the virus. Mm. I say, so why is it relevant? I say, compromised people, when getting the virus, are the ones that get seriously sick and can die from it. Mm. I said, well, who's compromised? (laughs) Well, 60% of Americans have at least one what they call comorbidity. But 40% of Americans, four out of every 10 Americans have between two and three 
comorbidities at the same time, being overweight, having diabetes, having a heart problem, boom. That, that's, that's a perfect storm for what? Because if a person with that problem gets the virus, their immune system is already compromised. And that means they can't fight this virus that normal people can fight. So I say, yeah, the numbers are large. I go, yeah, because a large number of people are not healthy in this world. And then I'm going to also have to say this. It has to do with the amount of money. I go, what do you mean? I say, there's healthy food and then there's food. <laughs> right. The stuff you could buy at the market. And I go, the, the industrial farm food that we get uh, is so compromised in its growth. I mean, uh, if you see a farmer wearing a hazard suit, in the field, spraying the crops you're going to eat. He's spraying the crops with a poison. He has to wear a hazard suit. You're going to eat this stuff. Okay? Industrial farm. Ooh. But it's cheap. Mm. I go, so why is it relevant? I said, because poorer people can't afford better quality food. You know, oh, I, it's easy for me to say it. Yes, eat natural. Eat organic. And I go, go to the organic grocery store and see the prices. Mm. You know, people can't afford that. So there's a lot of people. I say, who? The poorer people. I go, what, what's wrong? I say, they can't afford this food to be healthy. They're living in a lifestyle. They're just trying to get by. They're not healthy to begin with. Mm. And I say, so guess what? There's been a disproportion of the people who died. And it's basically this. Old people who are in nursing homes. Why are they in a nursing home? Because they're already compromised. That's why they have to live in health care. Okay. But then I say, who else? And I start to say, it's the compromised people who are the ones. And I say, who are they? And I say, mainly the poorer people. And I go, what do you mean? And I say, well, mainly black and brown communities as well. Why? They don't have the money to eat well, to take care of their health. They're just struggling to get by. So all of a sudden I go, well, then this virus thing doesn't affect everybody. And I go, no, it takes the weak ones out. And, and the idea about it is, well, what about the vaccine? And I go, that's a bunch of BS. Uh, that means belief system. Uh, it's a bunch of BS for this reason. How many people believe that getting the vaccine was going to prevent them from getting COVID? And, it, and the answer is almost everybody does. I go, sorry, that was not in the instructions on the, uh, on the vaccine. The vaccine is to prevent you from getting serious illness that requires hospitalization and maybe death. So the vaccine doesn't prevent you from getting COVID and it doesn't prevent you from sending it to other people. And yet everyone, oh, I got the vaccine, I'm safe. I go, no, you're not. <laughs> it doesn't mm. work that way. And then here's the other problem. The design of the experiment was faulty, very faulty. And it becomes self-destructive. The side effects of the vaccine are not being reported to the level that they should be. That especially affects the cardiovascular system. People are having heart attacks. They're having strokes. They're having all issues with the vascular system because the virus spike binds to the cells in the vascular system specifically and alters their function. And, uh, and that's when infected with the real virus or infected with the spikes, then you're going to get a breakdown of these cells and it shows up not two days or three days generally after the shot, a month, two months or so after the shot, you'll start to getting these symptoms. The point about it is this, the vaccine doesn't work. 
it worked against, to some degree, the original version of COVID. I go, what does that mean? They isolate, on, on the surface of the virus are these spikes. They're just like, you know, things standing up like sticks on the surface like this, okay? It's the spike that causes the problem with COVID. It's the spike that binds to the cells and alters their function that causes the, the flu version of, of that. So I say, so what's the relevance? And I go, here's the relevance. When they made the COVID vaccine, it was against the spike on the version of the virus they were working with. So if that version shows up and you have been uh, given that vaccine, you'll make antibodies against that spike. I go, yeah, but nature doesn't, it causes variations. And so when a person is infected with the virus, they copy the virus, but they also make variations all of the time. It's a natural process. But if the variations bypass the vaccine so that the new version of the spike is not recognized by the antibodies that you made to the first version of the spike, the new variant has a different shaped spike. I go, so why is it relevant? The original vaccine doesn't recognize this. And then they call it breakthrough. Breakthrough, I say, no, that's a lie. It's the vaccine does not recognize the variants. And they say, well, get the booster. I say, that's the same vaccine from the previous one. It doesn't help you get any better. It makes things worse. And so we have been led down a trail. And I say, so what is it? Well, we've been all programmed to believe that um, we're all under threat. I go, first of all, that was wrong. We're not under threat. If you're healthy, you're not under threat. You're going to go through a pain in the ass flu, but you're not going to get sick and die from it. Okay. Mm. And then I said, but the people that are compromised, they are seriously compromised because everybody's going to get this virus. Why? It hasn't been here before. So we have no memory in our immune system Mm. to remember that this was here. So we're going to all get it. So now I go one last problem. And this is the big one. The vaccine sends a, a messenger RNA that's a blueprint to make the spike into the body using a system of lipids, uh, like a, a oil vesicle, and they put the, the messenger RNA in the oil vesicle. And the reason is that this oil vesicle is picked up by the cells because the oil in the vesicle is the same as the oil in the membrane of the cell. So, oh, the cell absorbs it because it's the same stuff. And then that's how it gets into the cell. I said, what cell does it go into? I go, every cell. It'll go into any cell. It's not a virus that goes to this cell or this cell. It goes to every cell in the vaccine. And I go, then what? Well, then the cells make the spikes because inside the program, inside that uh, vaccine, sends a message to make spikes. So I say, so now what? Well, when you got the vaccine, any cell that picked up those little lipid vesicles with the messenger RNA, those cells are going to make the spike. I go, well, the spike is the toxic part of the virus. I go, yeah, but it's supposed to stay on the surface of the virus or the cell when the cell is infected. And then the immune system looks and says, oh, this cell is infected because those spikes on the surface of the cell, that's not normal. And the immune system is designed to kill those cells. But in the process, it learns about the spike. And so if you actually get a real virus with that spike, the immune system will already have been programmed. Okay. Well, two problems. One, they thought the spike was just going to stay on the surface of the cell that the vaccine infected. But it turns out, no, the viruses get knocked off. I, go, I mean, the spikes. I go, why is that a problem? I said, the spike is the toxic part. <laughs> so now your own cells 
are making this toxic spike knock off the surface and they go through the system. And that's why the vascular system picks up these spikes that got knocked off. But the spikes are the same as the virus. So the cells in the vascular system, when the spikes stick to them, messes up their function. And that leads to cardiac problems, stroke, heart attacks, uh, issues like that. So nobody's talking about the side effects of these things. Why? The side effects are a very large percentage. And that, so the vaccine is very dangerous at this point. Mm-hmm. Number two, the variations on the COVID, Delta, Omicron, Mu, whatever ones they're going to come up with, the spikes have changed their structure on the variant. I go, so why is it relevant? I go, because the antibodies you made were against the first version of the spike. And the antibody only recognizes that version of the spike. So when a new version of the virus, Omicron, shows up, it's got a different spike. I go, so why? What's relevant there? I go, the antibodies that you made against the first version don't know the new version. So guess what? You could get Omicron and you've been vaccinated. Why? Because the new version is not recognized by the vaccine. And so getting booster shots with the old version is stupid because the new versions bypass it. Breakthrough, they call it. It just means, no, the vaccine doesn't work on these versions. Okay, so now we're, we're stuck with a couple of issues. One is the fear that everybody's been given. I go, what's the problem with that? Well, the fear is it causes stress hormones. I go, yeah, so what's the problem with that? I go, the function, one of the major functions of stress hormones shut off the immune system. So I said, oh, you're scaring the hell out of these people. They're releasing stress hormones. Now their immune system is not working very good. Now they're even more susceptible than they were before. Scaring people makes them more vulnerable than it was before. Mm -hmm. So people are being scared. They're getting the infections. They're reading the stories. They're fear, fear. They're not being told the true story. Mm. And so, before you continue, um, maybe more psychologically, but why do you feel people aren't being told the true story? What's the reason? What's the benefit? I mean, oh. here's the reason we're facing a, a breakdown of industrial civilization. NASA scientists have come up with a report taking science from all over the world and putting it all together and says within the next couple of decades, 20 years, there is an irreversible breakdown of industrial civilization. Irreversible is a big word. That means It's not coming back. It's breaking down. I say, so what does that mean? I say, well, one of the things that's going to happen here, and you're seeing it now, is um, the the earth doesn't have all the resources to keep supplying everybody with the way we've been living. Mm. And it says, well, you've been destroying the earth to get all the resources. You're destroying the ecosystem. I go, well, there's a big problem right there. And, And now we're seeing a problem. Here's the other thing. The economy of this world, only 1% has the real money. The other 99% are struggling to get through. And I go, so why is it relevant? Well, the paper money, paper money, called it's called fiat money. I say, what about it? I said, it's collapsing. The value of that is collapsing. And the banks know it, the leaders know it, and they know that this money, paper money, has no value if somebody doesn't believe in it. I believe in the US dollar. 
oh, because there's silver there? I go, no, there's no more silver in Fort Knox. There's nothing in there. There's no gold in there. It's paper money. <laughs> and I say, it only works when you believe in it. But people <laughs> are not believing it as much. And I say, so what's going to happen? There is an inevitable facing of what? An economic disaster that's looming in the very near future because the money is not going to be any good. I go, so what, is the, what do you think the leadership wants to do? They recognize between those problems on the resources and the problems on the money, this could cause a, a monkey wrench in the civilization, destroy the organization. That's what's happening. It's happening right now, the chaos. Yeah. And they don't want it to happen, so they want to control it. I said, well, how do you control it? And the answer is this. You make people afraid. Mm. And then you tell them we have the answer. And then you give them the rules. And you know what all the rules have been? The breakup of community. People, nope, stay away from each other. Stay in your own room. Don't go out. Be locked down. Go with the mask. Social distance. I go, where's the, where's the problem? And here it is. People only have power when they're in community. A person alone wields no power on this planet. But if you're part of a community, a large number of people with the same beliefs and the same wishes and desires, then the power of all of those people amplifies is what changes the world. So if you notice what's happening, it's a breakdown of community. No more, don't, don't have community because that disempowers us. We have no power when we're in our own house, stuck away from everybody else, what's going on. So here's the fact. We're facing a collapse of civilization. Science, NASA is recognized within the next 20 years. And the leadership of the world facing what, oh my God, it's going to destroy the organization of our civilization. And they don't want it to be wild. So they want to suppress and hold it together. And all of a sudden, it was the equivalent of the one government for the whole world was who organized this uh, COVID story. Because the voice of Fauci, let's say, didn't just affect people in the U.S. It affected everyone on every country on this planet because all of a sudden the global fear gave mm -hmm. them the power. And the idea about that is it's all being led by fear. And what we need to do is we start to become healthy and the virus is not dangerous. And every new ver variant. So, so, so can, can you really clarify? There's a bunch of questions I have. Yeah. For, the, for those that might be stuck in fear or feeling fear yeah. for those that might be like i spoke to someone the other day and i love this person says she hasn't left her house in almost two years um you know so there are record levels of fear so for someone who is stuck in fear you just said something the virus isn't dangerous now that that, that you know that sounds like a radical statement for someone who's in fear so can you really just like explain simplistically why that's the case because when you look why, at the news why when the you, fear well, well, no why the virus isn't dangerous because for instance you look at the news obviously and the virus is dangerous the virus is dangerous the virus is dangerous you know uh i i i know someone who was seemingly healthy dr bruce so like really healthy in her 20s almost died of the virus, yeah. super healthy. And so 
when people hear stories like that of someone they know that almost died on a ventilator, was very healthy, they're like, what do you mean the virus isn't dangerous? I mean, come on. The virus is not dangerous if you are a healthy person. Mm-hmm. And I go, 60%, 6 out of 10 people in the U.S. Are, are not healthy because they already have a comorbidity, whether it's obesity or diabetes or a heart problem before the virus even got here. Then I said 40% have two to three comorbidities at this very same time. Okay. I go, now you've got a weak population. So let's start with where the hell did the fear come from? Yes. And the answer is this. You determine the lethality of how many people are going to die by looking at how many people have died from the virus divided by the total number of people that have the virus, okay? If one person dies and 100 people have the virus, that's 1% death, okay? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, the problem was when this whole thing started, they had nar- large numbers of deaths, but they ha- only had a small number of, because where did they get the number of people that had the virus? Those who showed up to the doctor. If you didn't show up to the doctor, then you were not wow. included in this wow. number. Right. So in the very beginning, only a small number of people versus a large number of deaths gave a very high percentage that said, oh, my God, 5% of the population is going to die. Well, that's, that's millions of people at this point. So in the very beginning, the plague idea was, look, look at how many people are dying from this. I go, that number is wrong because you didn't put into that number all the people that had the virus but didn't go to the doctor, which is the large number. So when you put a large number underneath and divide it into the numbers who died, then the, num- the percent of lethality is small. Yeah. And so the beginning, the numbers were jacked up like 5% of the people are going to die. Well, five for five, that's a lot of people out of millions. And it turns out, no, they didn't count the people that didn't show up to the doctor. <laughs> I mean, how can they not count the people that, I mean, from what you're saying, it seems obvious. That's the problem. It was obvious, but the point is the public doesn't know. And I'm saying if I'm going to try to push something on the public to what? I need to control a population that's going to inevitably be out of control. That's a fact. Why? It's not working. We're facing an extinction. We're destroying the ecosystem. And if we continue doing this, the end is not a thousand years from now. It's in this century that civilization is going to end and it's going to be gone. And, and the idea, so this is not like, let's plan a thousand years. I'm talking about, let's plan this 10 years. <laughs> What's happening now? And all of a sudden, the leaders to be have taken it in their position of, we're helping the world. I say, how are you helping the world? And they can say, oh, we're going to stop the, this virus. And I say, at what cost? Breaking up civilization. It is broken. Stay in your room. Stay here. Don't go out. Wear a mask. Keep apart from each other. I go, people only have power when they're in community. And this system that's going on is a complete destruction of community. And preferentially eliminating a lot of people. And I go, why would the leadership want to do something like that? I go, because they believe in the science of Darwin. And Darwin's evolutionary story talks about the fact that the competition, uh, the more people there are, the greater the competition is to survive. 
and that this is a competition leads to the struggle and all that. So the story is, oh, there are too many people for this planet. I go, that is an incorrect story. That is not true. But the way we are living as a large population has been destructive of this. And so we have to change. But in their world, Darwin is science. And that says too many people. How do you get rid of people? Well, disease is the way of getting rid of people. And, uh, and that was understood back in the 1700s, late 1700s. The population's growing too big. How do you get rid of them? Disease, famine, all this kind of stuff. I go, yep. And they're creating something that is eliminating people. Is it eliminating everybody? Nope. It's only eliminating the weaker people mm-hmm. because they, they can't afford the health. Uh, they can't afford to eat the, the quality of food. Their programs aren't supporting them. So I go, so is there another thing going on above the COVID? I go, yeah, population control. Okay, I'm almost, I'm almost afraid to ask the question because I have a few other questions, but now I'm like, but I'm going to ask it, Dr. Bruce, I'm going to ask it. So, because you, you're like, well, create they, so do you believe there is an intentional, and I don't want to go down a rabbit hole of conspiracies, and that, but... Do you believe there is an intentional agenda behind this, as in an intentional creation of this virus to control, depopulate, eliminate people? And if so, who? (laughs) (laughs) It's whoever is behind all this stuff. I mean, we put a president up in the front and we say, yeah, that's the leader. And I go, yeah, that's not really true. He doesn't lead or or she doesn't lead uh, to what they want to do. They're conforming to people behind them. Everybody's okay. Uh, uh, You know, look, Barack Obama came in with a great platform and a great plan and everything. And every step of the way, he was stopped or, you know, prevented from getting these things out because it wasn't in the interest of the people behind him. Okay. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden I say, well, who are these people? I say, well, the wealthy people are some very large that move things, you know, the corporate entities of people like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And their world, they don't care about people. They care about profit Uh, by definition, by definition, a corporation, the first rule of a corporation by law, by law, is to make a profit for the shareholders, okay? Now, the problem with that, if the the business is designed to make a profit, then the question is, how do you make that profit? Uh, 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 You know, do you have to follow some kind of good idea or something, or can you make a profit any way you can? The answer is any way you can. I go, so why is it relevant? They don't care about people, they care about profit. Pharmaceutical industry does not give a damn about your health. If you think that, then you're living in a cloud somewhere that they're your friend, just like a friendly banker. A banker is only friendly if you have money. If you don't have money, a banker is not that friendly anymore. The pharmaceutical company, do they care about your health? No, they care about how many drugs you're going to buy. And the idea about that is even when they market a drug, think about this, and I know this as a fact, is talking with executives that when they market a drug and people die as a side effect, you know, you think, oh, we shouldn't market that drug. No, no. The bean counters count how many percent of the people are going to die versus how much of the drug they're going to sell. 
If they make enough profit off of the drug they're going to sell, and they just sell the drug and say, well, we'll just pay the lawsuit for wherever we're going to make so much money, it doesn't make any difference, okay? So the point about it is what? They'll market a drug knowing people will die because it's based on the fact that they'll still make a profit. Wow. <laughs> is, that, is that moral? No, it, it's, it's corporate. Corporate is, how do I make money? I got to make money. That's the law for me as the head of a corporation. So pharmaceutical people are, are, are dressed, it's like the wolf in sheep's clothing. You look at a pharmaceutical, oh, they're here to help us. They're making the drugs to take care of us. And I say, underneath that sheep's skin is the villain under there that says, how much money can I get from this? How much are we going to make all this? This is sort of my... Uh, the uh, uh, drug company, Pfizer, Pfizer Moderna, mm. their, their job is to make money. They, you think that this is their, their whole game? No, their game is they're creating a new version of a vaccine that they want to market all the other vaccines that are out there and change them into Pfizer vaccines because then they'll have the entire market. That's the mRNA vaccines, the ones where they, that's called genetic therapy. Mm. Uh, and it was illegal to use that in a human population until COVID-19 showed up. And then what did they do? They claimed there was no other way to resolve COVID-19, so we must use the experimental technique. So it was given experimental usage, a license, okay? I say, what about things like ivermectin and vitamin C and all these other things? They go, they push that down because if they were functional, and they are, then they wouldn't be able to get the experimental use of the vaccine. So what they had to do was say, no, none of this works. None of this works. Don't listen to anybody. It doesn't work. Why? Because then they're justified saying, well, there's nothing that works. So we must use the experimental vaccine. I said, it's been outlawed. You're not allowed to use it on humans. Oh, but there's no other way. We must use it. And now we're finding that the side effects of this stuff are toxic, dangerous, and a lot of people are, are, are dying from the vaccine itself. And the point is, yeah, but as long as you keep people afraid, they won't ask the question. If they're afraid, they'll just put their head down and be do what they're told to do. But the fear, the fear is, is something I wanted to get into. Well, which that's is, the motivation. Which is, for those that are afraid, because I know, look, there, there are people that genuinely are feeling fear right now. Yeah. Fear, and, 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 you know, fear for those they love, and they're coming from a yeah. good place. Fear for their loved ones and they're caring and fear and, and they're in that fear. And so if someone is listening and they're in that fear, what can they do to begin shifting out of that fear? Where do they start? How do they move out of that fear into a place of more freedom when they genuinely feel afraid? Yeah. Well, Speak to that person. First thing is this, there's an understanding, it's always been, it's historically a, a, a valid statement, knowledge is power. You got knowledge, you can use that to power your life. But let me say the same thing in a different way. A lack of knowledge is a lack of power. By depriving the public of the full knowledge of what's going on, the public has no power. They're just going to buy whatever the story is at this point. So we're not given the full knowledge. I said, what's the full knowledge? I said, they want to push the vaccine. They want to push the mask. They want to push the social distancing. They want to push the lockdown. I go, you should be pushing health because the issue is health. 99.98% of the people that are healthy will live through this and come out 
immunologically powerful to prevent any future problem with this virus, okay? Using the vaccine bypasses all that, although people have been led to believe that the vaccine would prevent them from getting this disease. The fact is, no, it doesn't. It was never designed to do that, never even said it would do that. It just was designed to present, prevent the serious consequences you know, where you could die, okay? So I go, so what? A lack of knowledge. By, by scaring people, but not giving them the answer is what? Stay healthy. Take care of your life. This is the wake-up call. There's a virus out there. It's job. It's going to eliminate the weakest people in the community. If you, want to, if you don't want to take care of yourself, if you don't or you can't take care of yourself, then you're you know, a person that could have a lot of problems what's coming on here right now. Okay? And so the issue is, are they selling the, the healing process or are they selling the fear of the virus? Well, of course, they're selling the fear of the virus. Not one of them in any of their stories say, and the first thing we should do is get healthy. Not even one person <laughs> said that. <laughs> I, I, I haven't heard that, to be honest. I, I, really, I really haven't. What, no. are some, what are some things that, from your experience that you're doing, you've done this last uh, year and a half, you know, almost two years, uh, that you can suggest? What are some of the most powerful things that people can do to get healthy? Well, the first thing we have to, let's give a fact that we talked about a year ago, uh, and that was this, is that the function of the mind is to take your belief and manifest them as reality. Yeah. Now, if you have a positive belief and the mind is doing something, it's going to give you a positive reality. But if you have a negative belief and the mind is going to manifest that belief, it's going to give you a negative reality. So most of us are not operating from very positive beliefs. We're all operating from fear, which is the fact fear means I have no power. If I had power, I wouldn't be afraid. So fear, as long as you make people afraid, you're, you're getting to the point of, people, I'm sorry, you have no power. And I go, wow, that's the first problem right there. Because now, what can I do? I'm a victim. That's the belief system. I go, well, there's your problem. That's number one. Okay. Number two is health is what is the problem on this planet. We do not live in health. We do not live in harmony with the environment around us. Uh, food is, is sold uh, 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 on a value basis. The cheaper the food, the worse the quality is. That's a simple fact of life. More expensive food, well, that's you know growing in a better way. So that's why organic food is so expensive. Why? Because they got to do more effort to make sure the food is healthy. Uh, industrial farm food, that's cheap. Why? Just spray the poisons on there, kill things, and everything's going to look great. And I go, no, it, it, it is devoid of the vitamins and minerals and essences that are keeping us healthy. That food is impoverished food. And I say, who's eating it? I say, impoverished people are eating this. I go, what's the consequence? I say, they're already selected as the weak element in the group. Why? Their health isn't good. Is anybody saying, go out there and let's get healthy? No. I go, okay. So I say, what do you do? I say, well, what do I do? I'm fortunate enough that I can buy food of organic, natural food. <laughs> That's where I go. Uh, you know, I don't buy, oh my God, especially uh, meats that have been injected with hormones and all kinds of chemistry to make it work. I go, those are toxic chemicals and you eat them in your food. That's because that's where it is. Okay. So number one, I really try to maintain uh, a higher quality food, organic, natural, as best I can. Number two, 
Um, I take supplements because I know my immune system is not up to snuff. Most people's immune system is not full out. I say, what are the two main things that I would take, which I do? One is vitamin C in large doses because that's an amplifier of the immune system. And vitamin D, because that's a necessary element in building the building blocks to make the rest of the system work, okay? What's the dosage of vitamin C that you take personally? Can you, can Which one? What's the dosage of vitamin C that you take personally? Two grams a day. Two grams, okay. Yeah, that's called 1,000 milligram ta- uh, uh, capsule. Capsule. Two of those a day, okay? <clears throat> and then I take vitamin D, and, I ta- and they come in what are called uh, um, international units, IUs. Come, they call 5,000. I take two of those a day. And that's, that's why, because I know that's going to boost my immune system no matter what the hell else is going on here, okay? Number three, I go out and do things. Mm. <laughs> Sedentary lifestyle is, is against the nature of a human body. Everything in the human body is based on use it or lose it. People are thinking, oh, I just build up my muscles and they're real strong. And then when I stop exercising, the muscles go away. Use it. They get big, stop, they go away. And I go, no, use it or lose it applies to everything in the human body, even the brain. And this is why dementia is a big deal. As people get older, they go, why? Is that genetic? Is that a due to plaques or whatever they are? I go, no. The primary cause of dementia, lack of use of the brain. Because as people get old, they lose their social contact. So all of a sudden, there's not so much social activities going on they're not doing a job because now they're retired so uh, what am i doing nothing i going you're not using the system you want it to work you got to use it okay uh and and then the the big one of course is what is on my mind am i living about the concern of uh everything in my life which everybody does every day stress is the overall problem of ill health on this planet Stress, meaning stress. you're not going to make it whatever it is. And, and the moment you have stress, then the stress hormones come in and they shut down the functioning of the body and they shut down the immune system. And I go, why would they do that? And the answer is because what was stress? Run away from the saber-toothed tiger. That was stress, okay? Mm. Save your life. I go, well, if you want to run away from tiger, you want all the energy in your body you can get to push those damn legs and arms to get them out of there. I say, how does it get all the energy to run away from that tiger? Because when the stress hormones are in, they shut down all the functions that are not necessary when running away from a tiger. When I say, what? Well, the viscera, the lungs and the, all the organs in here, I go, they're there to maintain the body, clean it, filter it, repair it, replace things, do all that. But when the stress hormones come in, the blood vessels in the gut squeeze shut. And I say, why? Because it pushes the blood to go to the arms and the legs where I need the energy because the blood is the source of energy. Mm-hmm. So I say, oh, the moment you're in stress, you start shutting down the maintenance of the body. I go, absolutely. And I say, the immune system, that's to help you from a threat on the inside. If you're being chased by a saber-toothed tiger, who needs the immune system? <laughs> and the immune system is so uses so much energy. Uh, when people are sick, they sometimes don't even have energy to get out of bed. That's how much energy the immune system is using. So if you're being chased by a saber-toothed tiger and you have a bacterial infection, where do you think you want the energy? And the answer is, the hell with the immune system. If the tiger catches me, I, I don't have to worry about anything. I'm food at that point. Mm-hmm. Now I'm the tiger's problem. But the issue is, 
you don't need the immune system and you don't need the maintenance of the body to run. And the idea is we only use stress in the history of our evolution to run away from the tiger because it only was about 10 minutes. If you got 10 minutes away from that tiger, you're safe and then you don't need this protection anymore and you go back to growing again. But if the tiger is chasing you 24-7, 365, you are continuously shutting down the growth and maintenance and shutting down the immune system and opening yourself up for illness. And that's why 40% of Americans are already open for this illness. And are they going to get sick? Yes, they will if they don't take care of themselves. I say, how do you take care of themselves? Well, give them the booster. And I go, that's BS, which means belief system, uh, that, that the booster doesn't work against the versions of uh, you know the virus that are here now. And so it's like, it's psychological, but it, does, it, it is not helping you at all. Matter of fact, as we now know, listen, if I make an immune response against cells that have the spikes, that's why I put that messenger RNA into the cell. So the cell will make the spikes, the immune system will see it and say, these are toxic. Let's uh, make antibodies against the spike and let's kill the cell. That's what the job is. So I say, so after you got your first vaccination, you've activated the immune system to what? If that spike shows up, bind it with antibodies. If a cell is making that spike, kill it. Mm. I go, so what happens when I get the booster shot? You already have the immune system. It's already going to kill any cell that picks up the damn messenger RNA and starts making those spikes. You're going to start killing your own cells. That's what the booster shot does. It irritates the system. It makes the immune system work harder. Why? Because it's killing your own cells when you get the booster shot. Because any cell that shows those spikes, you already have made an immune attack against it. So when a booster shot shows up and makes more cells showing the same spike, you kill more cells. So it's like people are buying into this story. Man, no. You have to trust who you are. You have to recognize that if you get it, you don't die from it. You have a very uncomfortable two weeks with it. And you're going to go through all kinds of different uh, symptoms and stuff. But you're going to walk out of this with a strength of an immune system to prevent you from ever getting another one of the COVID versions again. Uh, uh, and this does, not, this does not happen with the vaccine. No. So uh, we have to change the picture. I think uh, there's, there's a couple more questions I have. Yeah. You know, I, I, like I was speaking to a friend and they were in a situation and I'm just kind of curious from your wisdom, from your insight, like how they could, how someone could navigate this situation. They're like, well, okay, Dr. Bruce, it's great to say, but you know, you have the freedom. I have to work. I have a job, you know, I'm not wealthy. I have a job and my job requires me to be vaccinated. And, 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 and so it's easy for you to talk all this yeah. beautiful talk, but yeah. I, you're not going to pay my bills. You're not going to like, how am I going to survive Dr. Bruce yeah. in the world when this is a reality? So yeah. for someone who is in that, bind in that situation and they might say you know i don't want to get the vaccination but this i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to i know a lot of people that do that what, what, a, what how to, can you provide some perspective on yeah. on, on, on yeah. how they can navigate that situation yeah 
It's called biology of belief. <laughs> I go, what does that mean? I go, listen, uh, down south, we, we have uh, fundamentalists that get into a religious ecstasy and they start talking in tongues. Uh, and some of them are snake handlers and they, they play with these very poisonous snakes. And even if they get bitten, most of the time, there's no problem from it. Okay. But I wanted to bring up this fact. Some, they call this testifying. I said, what does it mean? It says, in their religion, they, they show that God protects them. And they say they'll do things that no normal person in their right mind would ever do. But they do it because they believe in the protection that God is giving them. Mm-hmm. So those are the ones that play with rattlesnakes, okay? But the one I want to talk about relevant to this is some of them testify by drinking strychnine poison in toxic doses. They're yeah. drinking strychnine poison to show what? God protects them. And guess what? They don't die from it. Yeah. And I go, so what is this all about? And I say, because belief overrides the biology. The belief, uh, you know, this. how can I walk across hot coals? I say, you better have a belief you can. Yeah. Right. Because if you don't have the belief you can, the first step, you're going to burn yourself instantly right there. Mm-hmm. And I say, and that belief, you have to have that all the way as you walk across the hot coals, because you can't in the middle of the walk say, hey, can I do this? At that moment, boom, you're going to get burned. And I say, how can you walk across hot coals? How can you drink strychnine poison? I say, because belief overrides everything. And I say, so what is the belief that the public is getting? I'm a victim. I'm going to get sick. I'm going to die. So therefore, take the vaccine. Now we also find out, but the vaccine is not that good for you. So I say, yeah, but you have a choice. You could do a job if you get the vaccine, or you can be unemployed if you don't have the vaccine. I say, well, that's not a good choice, as you just brought up. So I say, so what if I get the vaccine? I say, well, then the first thing I have to do is let go of the damn fear of this thing. And I have to recognize my system is stronger than anything that you put into it. Uh, my consciousness. But people, they, that's the weaker part because that's what they've been programming. You're not that strong. You are weak. You will get this. You will die. You will have these problems. It's like, couldn't, we, couldn't we also say that there is a belief that people have in the population that the vaccination is, is, is amazing. It's a breakthrough. It's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to be great. And so why wouldn't that belief be act in the favor of the people that have been told that the vaccination is amazing? This is my belief. It's good for me. And so... Yeah, but then then you look at all the, all the news, uh, and especially people, oh, yeah, we got vaccinated and I got COVID again. So I yeah. wait a minute. At some point, then you weaken the story because you said, the vaccine was going to protect me. I believed it. Now the story comes out. Well, the vaccine doesn't necessarily protect you anymore. I go, boom. As soon as you did that, you broke the spell of the positive thinking because now it's questionable. So if it's, re- if it's really about the belief, does it really matter vaccination or no vaccination? Like, is, is that even important? It'd be like, if it's belief, then why don't I just take it, Dr. Bruce? It, it doesn't <laughs> It doesn't matter if it's really about the belief and the biology, and I believe it, and yeah. I'm just going to believe it, then who the hell cares if I get it or not get it? What's the yeah. big deal? Because it depends on where your belief is coming from. Is it coming from okay. the conscious mind, the creative mind, or is the belief coming from the program and the subconscious mind? I go, why is it different? Because my conscious mind's creative. If I'm running my life with my conscious mind, I can create the life I want. That's what happens when people fall in love and they make a honeymoon. That was 
all of a sudden they stopped playing programs. That's what the honeymoon happened. They started living from the conscious creativity of wishes and desires. Subconscious, just programs. And I go, so why is it relevant? I say, I could have in my conscious mind, I believe I'm going to get through this because I believe that. And I go, and what about your subconscious program? Because that's the one that's working 95% of the day. And I say, generally, average person, their belief uh, in their subconscious about health is what? They grew up with doctors in the family, doctors, mommy went, daddy went to the doctor, I go to the doctor, and I say, in the first seven years of programming, that's when the programming occurs, uh, if you get treated by the doctor, I say, what was the learning outcome of this? And the answer is, I'm not in charge of my health. The doctor is in charge of my health. And the doctor is the professional, and the doctor's words are more powerful than what I think. That's a subconscious program. And that's why we go to the doctor. Let the doctor tell me about my health. Let the doctor tell me about what's going on, okay? So there, there's the belief in my head. I'm, I'm not going to worry about this, this COVID. I'm powerful. I'm more powerful than this COVID. And I go, that's a conscious mind. That's really good. Unfortunately, the conscious mind is only operating 5% of the day. And I say, what about 95%? It's coming from the program. I say, and what's the average person's program about this? And is whatever the doctor said is truth. And so whatever you hear on the media, it becomes your truth. Oh, I must get this vaccine. I must do this. I must do that. And I go, why? Not questionable. That's a program. Okay. And I say, if you were living in your conscious mind without that program, then you could walk the hot coals, drink strychnine, or get COVID, and it will not be a problem. But we don't live with that mind. We live with the program mind. And the program controls our life. And I go, the Jesuits, the Catholic group, have told their followers, this in 400 years, they've told their followers the following. They said, Give me a child until it is seven, and I will show you the man. Like, what the hell does that mean? They sell it. They told it for people for 400 years. People go, oh, okay, right. I say, what does it mean? It basically says this. The first seven years is when the program goes into the subconscious mind. That's when children are programmed, okay? Oh. After age seven, you can use the creative conscious mind. But then the problem is only 5% of the day are we using the mind for creativity. 95% of the day we're using that mind to think. And so that means when the conscious mind is thinking, it's not paying attention to what's going on. It's thinking that's inside. Then the subconscious takes over. So your life is 5% of the creative wishes and desires. I'm strong, powerful. I could do any damn thing. And 95% of the program that you got in the first seven years, which most of those things that we downloaded were disempowering or self-sabotaging, uh, limiting beliefs uh, of who we are. So, how, how, do, how do we change some of the subconscious? Ah, <laughs> okay. Because, you know, we do affirmations. I'm amazing. I'm handsome. I'm beautiful. Yeah, I'm abundant. Well, yeah, but deep down, what you're saying is deep down, you can, you can say, you know, this, 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 this virus isn't going to affect me. But if I'm carrying a subconscious belief that I'm not even aware of, how the hell do I change that now? Okay, so the first thing is this. No, you're not aware of the programming for most of it, and I'll tell you why. Because you were programmed before you even left the womb in the last trimester of pregnancy. I go, how did I get programmed then? I say, your mother's blood nourishes the fetus. That's where the food and the nourishment for the fetus to grow. I go, yeah, but there's more in mother's blood than nourishment. 
There are emotional chemicals. There are hormones. There are growth factors that are coordinating her life in the world that she's living outside. So the baby doesn't see the world outside, but receives the information about responding to the world outside by wow. just picking up the, 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 if the mother gets upset, the fetus is upset. It doesn't, the fetus doesn't know why it's upset. It's the chemistry that is upset that, you know, causes the problems. It's the fear chemistry will cause a problem. And then you get programmed from the moment you're born from zero to seven, your brain is in a state of hypnosis. And I go, so why is it relevant I, in this case? And I say, where do you get the programs from? I say, you watch your mother, your father, your community, just to watch them, and then the program gets downloaded, okay? And now we got a program that say that doctors are responsible for my health, I'm not. So whatever he says or she says, that's the story of my life because they're the professional, okay? I say, okay. I don't want I don't want those programs. I said, yeah, but I said you don't know what the programs are. <laughs> you were not there consciously when they were going in. So you didn't filter them. That's the bigger problem. Because you got good programs and you got bad programs. And maybe up to 60% of the programs are not very good for you. Okay. So I say, what can I do about this? I said, Well, first of all, I don't know the program. So now I'm going to tell you how to know the program. That makes it even easier. And the program goes like. 95% of your life is coming from the subconscious. Your life is a printout of your subconscious programs. Right. So I said, so what is my life? I said, 95% is the program. So whatever you see in your life is coming from the program. So I go, the things that you like that come into your life, they come in because you have programs to acknowledge them. That's how they came in. But the things that you want, that you struggle over, you work hard. You put a lot of effort. I'm sweating over it, man. I'm making it happen. I'm working. I'm going to make it happen, whatever it is. I'm going to make it happen. I go, why are you working so hard? And the answer is the programs that you got don't support that. And you are trying to override the program. That's why we put so much effort and work into changing something. So I say, so what are my programs? I go, look at it. The things you like that come in, don't worry about those, man. You already got a program, otherwise they wouldn't have been there. But the things that you want and you struggle for and put a lot of effort into, the reason why you're working so hard is your program does not support that. And all of a sudden you say, oh my God, I'm not good at relationships. Uh, mm -hmm. I, my health is not good. Uh, uh, you know, I'm not, my job is sucks, you know? And I go, oh, <laughs> your programs brought you those things. You're re you're seeing your program in action okay mm -hmm. so now comes the opportunity to say i want to change that program and then all of a sudden i say oh well you can but you got to learn to push the record button on it okay it, it basically like this the brain is a computer absolutely but you can't use your computer if you don't have programs so when you get a new computer what do you do you install programs and then you can use a computer and then you can type on the keyboard that's where you put information into the computer and run the show Okay, so I go, the programs that we needed to get off the ground were put in in the first seven years when we were in a state of hypnosis. And I say, what programs? I say, how to be a member of a family, how to be a member of a community. How do you know those behaviors? I say, you watched other people and downloaded their behavior and it became your program. Mm -hmm. And if they had a bad program, you got a bad program because in the childhood, seven years, you weren't filtering. You were just downloading. 
And, and so now I say, now look at your life and I'll tell you where your problems are. That's where you struggle. Okay. Now I say, I want to change it. I go, how do you change it? I go, the conscious mind is the creative mind and learns by reading a book, watching this or listening to this podcast right here. Uh, I can learn just by picking that up. Okay. Conscious mind, subconscious mind's habit mind. I say, Oh, habits. I guess, you know, what's important point habits don't want to change. If a habit changes, then it's not a habit. And the subconscious mind is a habit mind. I go, so why is it relevant? I go, then it's because the programs in the subconscious mind do not want to change. And if you have a negative program in your conscious mind with wishes and desires that let's change that program, I go, great, but that's not how the subconscious learns. And all of a sudden, that's the disconnect. My conscious mind's super smart. I should be doing this. I should be doing that. This would be great. How come my behavior is still the same old behavior? I read the book. It doesn't make a difference. Why? That is not how it learns. So the most important point now is if I want to change the program, I have to learn how to push the damn record button on the subconscious because it doesn't learn the way the conscious mind learns, which is creative. Any, anything. You can go, ah, I just changed my conscious mind. Okay. Subconscious does not want to change. And that's where the programs are. So there are three ways to change the subconscious. Yeah. Number one, is uh, hypnosis, because the first seven years, your brain was in a state of theta, which is hypnosis. Mm -hmm. So if you go back into hypnosis, it opens up the window to put a program in. And we can do that with ourselves, right? By going into a, a relaxed relaxed you, state. At, every night when you go to bed, the moment you, you fall asleep, the instant you fall asleep, you, the moment you just lost consciousness, you're sleeping, you're in theta for a window, a short period of time. And I say, what does it mean? I say, if you put earphones on and you play a program of what you want to be true, when you're, the moment the conscious mind fell asleep, you don't hear what the heck is going on from the earphones, but the subconscious mind does. And for a period of time, just after you fall asleep, the subconscious mind is open for what? Hypnosis. So it's called self-hypnosis. You put on a program that you want, go to bed, and the moment you go unconscious sleep, there's a period of time where whatever's coming in through those earphones is going straight into the subconscious. So that's a way of reprogramming. Got it. But that only works through age seven. After age seven, you still learn things. I say, how'd you learn something like drive a car, play an instrument, something complex? I say, practice, practice, practice. Ah, it's repetition of a behavior that turns it into a habit. And so the new agey people, they go, fake it till you make it. Meaning, oh, I'm not a happy person. I said, well, then fake it just all day long. Say, I am happy. I am happy. No matter how unhappy you are, you just say, I am happy. I am happy. Repetition. There's a point because practice is what makes a habit where one day you wake up and you won't have to say, I am happy anymore because it's downloaded. You wake up happy. You just made a new program. Repetition. Okay. So the idea is you want to change your life well, then change the behavior. But practice it just like you, uh, you know, anything you want to learn, you practice it. Uh, and when you take on the new behavior, your life will change. Very interesting point. Really good actors. Mm -hmm. They take on a character in their mind. And they take on that character in the way of how that character behaves, the emotions. You know, they want to become the character. I say, so what are they doing? They're practicing a character. I guess what? A good actor then actually takes that character and makes behavior out of it because they're practicing it. Mm -hmm. 
and they become the character. So, uh, you know, Ronel Zellweger, she plays in the diary or something there or whatever. She's 40 pounds heavier than she's than a normal weight. What does she do? She gets in a character. Right. She gets in a character. She gains 40 pounds because she's made a program to become the character. And then at the end of the movie, let's go over the character, loses the 40 pounds, comes back to her original program. Uh, Dustin Hoffman played a, a guy with a neurological problem. I think it was called the, uh, the uh, When the Iceman Cometh or something like that. It's a classic play. He was in Broadway. And he played it every day, but the issue is he had to go to a neurological hospital because the, he took on the entire neuropathology of the character and became that character. Uh, Will Smith plays some roles. He's a skinny guy, and the next thing I see, he's got muscles all over the place. He's playing a boxer or something like that. And I go, uh, where the hell did that come from? Right. <laughs> uh, McConaughey, or what was this, McConaughey? He, he's a guy that did the Dallas uh, business. Yeah, Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, and to play that role, what did he do? He lost so much weight, he was skin and bones, he almost died from it. Wow. I say, what? That's because he took the consciousness of the character, put it in his head, and rehearsed it. Mm. Rehearsed it. He became the character. So the point is this. Well, then you could be an actor. Who do you want to play? Ah, create the character you want. Play that character, you become that character. So basically living and playing and rehearsing the person you want to be, but not waiting till you be there, but being no, there now. No, you've got to practice it now because oh. it's the practice that puts the behavior into a habit. If you do it once, that's not a habit. But if you repeat it 10 times, oh, okay, I'm beginning to learn how to do it. Now I know sure. how to do it. Okay. Sure. So we've got hypnosis, repetition, and the behavior. And what was number three? Number three is it's called energy psychology, and it uses something called super learning. I go, what's super learning? So I say, oh, for example, I, I hold up a book here and I say, uh, oh, guess what? I, I could read this entire page by what? Move my finger down this page, just like that. That's called super learning. So you can sit in a bookstore and turn the page one at a time. Just go this, do this. As fast as you do that, you read every word on the page, hundreds of words. And mm. I say, oh, that's super learning. I go, what if you engage super learning in a process of belief change? You can change a program that you've had your whole life with energy psychology in minutes. Mm. You can change a belief in 15 minutes and walk away and be a different person, but it's a process. It's not a sticky note on the refrigerator. That's a suggestion. That's not a process. You've got to do something. Okay. Yeah. And in super learning, uh, you open up the brain to download just as fast as like moving that finger down the page. I could take all that information in. Energy psychology opens up the window that allows you to change a program and the habit uh, in minutes, walk away in minutes. Uh, I have on my website, awesome. Bruce Lipton, com, about 25 different versions of energy psychology where you can engage uh, these programs and change beliefs in minutes. And Amazing. Amazing. Yeah, well, it's necessary because not, human behavior is causing an extinction. The only way the extinction is going to be stopped is human behavior has to change. But That's human behavior is habit. We have yeah. to change the habits. Yeah. Uh, and, that, yeah. uh, and we have to learn how to do it. You know, this has been an amazing conversation. I have one final question for you um, to just kind of wrap things up. Um, I think a lot of people have been feeling, you know, a little helpless 
in the last couple of years. Yes. You know, 2020, okay, two weeks, find the curb, a whole year. Okay, 2020 is over, 2021, here we are, the, the vaccine, it's over, we're going to go back to life as normal. 2021, now 2022, Omicron, here we go. It's freaking three years of this, this, this yeah. you know, BS, as you say, belief system. And so I think a lot of people looking at the futures going, what is my future? I don't see a future. Everything I thought uh, about my future, everything I thought problem. about my future was... I don't even know what the hell my future is. And so that's people are feeling hopeless. So can you provide, can you leave us yeah. with some hope? I mean, yeah, because you just said, I can't see the future. And I said, but if you're the creator and you can't see a future, I said, then what are you going to create? And the answer is, I have no idea what the hell I'm going to create. Mm-hmm. I go, well, there's your problem. Because the idea is you have to have a vision and then you go toward that vision. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be but, helping. But, but, but for, let's say someone who, they say, okay, Bruce, I had a vision. My vision didn't happen. My vision uh, decimated. I don't even know what to make a vision anymore because everything keeps changing every freaking second. So how do I even plan? I can't travel, can't plan, can't meet, can't do this. So what the hell do I do? Take care of yourself first. That's the most important thing. Because if you can't take care of yourself, you can't participate in the rest of the game anyway. Even like in the airline, when you get in the seat and they talk about the, uh, you know, you need oxygen, the oxygen mask can come from the ceiling and you put it on. What do they say? You put your mask on before you help anybody else. Why? Mm -hmm. If you can't be healthy, then you can't help anybody else either. So we're in a time where we're not healthy. And I say, what I'm going to do about it? I say, the first thing, I'm going to start being healthy because I got to love myself. And this is another problem. Because when we were kids in that seven-year period, parents acted like a coach on a sports team. If a player isn't doing well, the coach doesn't go, oh, please do better. No, the coach goes, that's not good enough. Who do you think you are? You don't deserve to be on this team. They yell at them. But a player on a team is conscious enough to know, oh, the coach is telling me I'm not working hard enough. I'm going to do better. Okay? A child under seven is not consciously thinking that way. But if the parent acts as a coach, that's not good enough. You don't deserve this. Who do you think you are? The child under seven is just record. I'm not good enough. I'm not deserving. Uh, uh, You know, and I go, because a child under seven is in hypnosis. And I go, then 95% of the life of that child is coming where? From those programs of what? I'm not good enough. I'm not lovable. I go, oh, Jesus, now we got a problem. If you don't love yourself, you cannot be loved by anybody else as a matter of principle. Why? Uh, I don't love myself. And then some person comes up to me and says, but I love you, Bruce. And I go, well, obviously you have no quality control. because <laughs> I clearly know I'm not lovable. So I don't know what the hell you're talking about. And then we chase people away. And then we say, look, I'm not lovable. Nobody's here. <laughs> you know? It's proof. And, and this is the biggest problem on the planet to me because over 80 to 90% of people in our belief change groups will not test positive for I love myself. I go, if you don't love yourself, that's that's the beginning. You've lost right there. You don't love yourself enough to take care of yourself. You don't love yourself enough to to make a change in the world. You don't trust yourself. You don't love yourself. I go, 80 to 90% of people? Nope. And and then they just become sheep. Whatever somebody said, okay, I'll do what you said because my program is, oh, the doctor knows better than me. And I go, no, you know better than the doctor. The doctor is going to tell you something, but if you believe it, then you become it. The doctor says you're going to die in three months. You're going to die in about three months. Okay. It's called the opposite. There's two things, placebo, nocebo. Placebo, 
placebo, everybody, what's placebo? Oh, I got a disease that's been bothering me. And the doctor just showed me this brand new pill made specially for me, special new pill. And you take the pill and you get better. And then you find out the pill was a sugar pill. I said, then what healed you? The belief in the pill, not the pill. The pill was sugar. It had nothing to do with it. You believed it. It was a positive belief. This is going to heal me and you get healed. And I go, and the negative belief is equally powerful, but works in the opposite direction. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not healthy enough. I feel weak. Uh, I'm vulnerable. I say, if those are your beliefs, then you become exactly that. Negative, Negative beliefs are called nocebo, and they can cause any disease and even death. You can die just because you believe you're going to die, even though there was no other reason than someone made you believe that. So, what, yeah. as we wrap up, what, what would you can leave us with the sense of hope and possibility? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. what is great about the time we're going through? Well, the, the, what, the most important message is this, and this is why I wrote a book called The Honeymoon Effect. And I say, your life is blah, 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 blah. And then you meet this person and you fall in love. Does it have to be a person? The answer is no. Actually, it could be a patent. Or it could be something you like to do, being a chef, being a gardener, being an artist. I don't care, whatever it is that you like, and it keeps your attention in the, in the front. You're not thinking, you're being there. I'm doing this because I'm, I'm, if I'm not thinking, I'm not playing programs, okay? So, so, the, so the idea about all this is, is to stay present as much as you can. And I say, but you've touched on it because if you ever fell in love, you realize it was only 24 hours between the blah, blah, blah life and the honeymoon. I say, but I want the honeymoon the rest of my life. I say, well, you can do that, but you can't go back into the subconscious because that was where the blah, blah, blah came from. You stopped playing the subconscious when you fell in love and just stopping it for that period of time led you to create from your conscious mind the honeymoon, which is heaven on earth. I said, that was a creation of the conscious mind. Yeah, but normal, 5% of the day, that's all you're operating from that. 95 is coming from those programs, and most of them are disempowering. And the problem is, the reason why you play the programs is that if the conscious mind is thinking, it's not looking out the window. It's looking inside. So whatever's going on outside, conscious mind's not paying attention. I go, what if you're driving the car and you're thinking? I go, oh my God, you're not paying attention. I go subconscious is autopilot. The moment conscious is not focusing on something, the subconscious will run the show. But the subconscious came from other people. And I go, so why is it relevant? Because then the behavior from the subconscious may be sabotaging you. And you go, but I would see it. And I go, no, you won't. Because the reason is, if you're thinking, you're not watching your behavior. Uh, the story that I tell people is you got a friend, you know your friend's behavior very well, you know your friend's parent. And one day you see your friend has the same behavior as their parents. So you, you want to tell your friend, you go, hey, Bill, you're just like your dad. <laughs> Back away from Bill. I know exactly what Bill's going to say. How can you compare me to my dad? I'm nothing like my dad. Mm. And everyone has that experience. <clears throat> and I go, that's the most profound lesson in that one point. I say, why? Everybody else can see that Bill behaves like his dad. Who's the one that doesn't see it? Bill. Bill. I say, how does it work? He got the behavior from downloading his dad's behavior when he was a kid. 
but he's playing his dad's behavior for what reason? Because he's not paying attention because his conscious mind's thinking. So whatever the behavior is that's coming out, he's the one that can't see it. And then I go, guess what? We're all Bill. <laughs> Bill, we're doing this all day long. 95% of the day is coming straight out of the program and we don't see it. Is it a good program? No worries, because I don't care. If it's a good program, it's still going to manifest something good. But if it's a disempowering program and I don't see it, what do I ultimately see? I don't see the program. What did I see? The failure. Oh, it didn't work. Oh, I wanted this, but it didn't happen. And I go, then, what is the average person's response? He goes, well, it's not me. I want it to be successful, so it must be that person, this thing, that did this, this, and I blame all these things out here. Why? Because you didn't see you were doing it yourself all day long, so the only conclusion is it must be somebody else's messing with my life, not me. And it's like, no, you're the creator. You are making this. And you're like, Bill, we're all Bill. We're, we're playing those behaviors, and we're the ones that don't see it. All we see is the result, and that's why I said, you want to know what your program is? Look at your results, because they are the program manifest. And all of a sudden, you say, where's your weak point? I go, whatever your weak point is, because there's a program that doesn't give you the power. That's where it comes from. I think uh, it's time for us to realize how powerful we really are. Exactly. And I think, I think one of the things... And the opportunities, even in the sort of pressure and limitation of the world, is for us to crack open to owning that for real. Like, wait a second, am I going to let the world determine what I believe and how I feel and my inner freedom? Or am I going to realize my inner sovereignty and how powerful I am to choose how I respond to life? Right. And, 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 that's, and that is the result of how Honeymoon came about, because you stop mm-hmm. playing the program. And for the first time, you say, what do I want? Mm. Oh, what do you want? Heaven on earth? Well, here it is. Tomorrow, it's going to be here. <laughs> uh, and that was the point. Beautiful. So the book is The Honeymoon Effect. Yes. Very the Honeymoon simple. Effect. Beautiful. Yeah. Folks, check it out. The Honeymoon Effect. If you haven't read The Biology of Belief, check that out too. Uh, Dr. Bruce, where can people find you? Where can people connect with your work? You, you gave us your website. Can you give it out again? BruceLipton.com. How simple is that? BruceLipton.com. Lots of the stuff that we're talking about here, there's all kinds of videos, audios, written articles, all freely available to you on that website, BruceLipton.com. Awesome, folks. You heard it, BruceLipton.com. Definitely check out Bruce's work there. Download, connect with him. Uh, He's a fan of inspiration, as you can tell. It's great to have you back for a second time. I want to come back on a third time because... Then we're going to see what happened between this conversation and the next conversation. So, so I would say a, a year from now, let's bring you back, if not before. And we'll, we'll, we'll keep it moving. Thank you for your generosity with, with everything you've shared. I, and- I want to thank you because you give me an opportunity to talk to a community. And, and the idea is to bring community back together again because we have power only when we're in community. That's and powerful. if you notice what's happening now is community is being broken up. And that means we have lost our power. So it's time for us to come. We'll bring the whole community back when we come back next time. It's time. It's time. Hopefully we'll get to do it in person too at some point. I would love to do that. Love to share some time with you. 
Folks, you uh, you heard the conversation with the amazing Bruce Lipton, brucelipton.com. Do me a favor, everybody. Uh, share this episode with everyone in your life. I think everyone needs to hear this conversation. It's going to engage you, challenge you, stretch you, expand your uh, belief systems, and hopefully uh, invite you and challenge you to throw away belief systems that no longer serve you into your highest next level. So share this episode with everyone that you love. Uh, download it. Uh, make a review on iTunes. And send me an email, kublaxon at kublaxon.com. I want to hear from you. Until next week, love now. Big hugs. If you've enjoyed this episode of Soul Talk, please do share the podcast with all of your friends. Let everyone know and make sure you download Soul Talk today. I'm looking forward to next week where I'll get to share more inspiration with you. Meanwhile, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or social media. You can find out more about my work at www.cooplaxon.com. If you feel ready to take your life to the next level, join me at my exclusive event in Bali, www.boundlessblissbali.com, where you can find out more and apply. Also, make sure to remember to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment at coopblackson.com. Sending you all big hugs and love now.